Well, thank you, everybody. It's great to be here. And before we jump into the message, we want to join in prayer for our brother, Steve Starkey, who is over in Malawi. Jamie shared in the announcements, uh, the couples conference is actually starting after our church service today. And Steve said, hey, Johnny, if you would pray for us, we will pray for you. And it's so cool to partner with our brothers and sisters in Malawi. God is doing amazing things over in that land. So, um, couples ministry, fully funded, praise God for the uh, couples conference and for your generosity. And the youth conference is coming up in a week or two, I think it is, and they are still really low on funding. So if God puts that on your heart, please step up and help out in that way. So let's go ahead and pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, thank you. Just to hear your praises this morning was a, a glorious thing. And you are lifted high, Lord. And we just want to lift up our brothers and sisters over in Malawi. Bless Steve as he's helping lead the couples conference right now, God. Would you do an incredible work over there in that land? Bless these marriages that they could go back to their churches and be a blessing to the people around them. Lord, we pray right now also that you would just bless our time here. Thank you that you're here. And we pray that you would speak a word to our hearts, Lord, because that is exactly what we need. We need a word from you every day, throughout the day. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, I get to speak about another not-so-famous person from the Bible. And I really love this sermon series. We all know of the great heroes of the faith. We know of the Abrahams, the Davids, the, all the disciples. Oh, and if you need a Bible, please raise your one finger for a Bible, two for a pen. Thank you, guys. We know of all the disciples. We know of all these <clears throat> great heroes of the faith, the Esthers, the Marys. And we kind of see them as like the lead actors, the ones out front, the lead ones in a movie or a play. We marvel at their faith and the great things that they accomplished for God. But if you think about it, you got to know that they had a real strong supporting crew behind them. Each of these great ones never would have been able to accomplish all that they did without the behind-the-scenes people, the not-so-famous people. It's kind of like here on Sunday morning. If we didn't have the Sunday school teachers, the greeters, the ushers, the cafe workers, the sound and light crew. <laughs> nice. Where would we be, right? And so I love this series because hopefully one thing we're all learning is that each and every one of us has a unique part to play, a special part that no one can play except us. You have a role to fill that can only be filled by you. And you know what? Sometimes that role, that part, takes courage. It takes love. In the lives of the people around us, if we do our part well, they will be impacted greatly. Amen? Just looking back at the past sermons that we had, 
the sermon on Bezalel. If he hadn't stepped up and used the gifts that God gave him, the tabernacle out in the wilderness never would have been the beautiful place of worship that it became. Or if the little servant girl, if she didn't step up and tell Naaman the prophet, or tell Naaman about the prophet who could heal him, Naaman very likely would have suffered horribly with leprosy until the day he died. So today, remember that each and every one of us, young and old, has a very important part to play in God's will. So does anyone know who today's not-so-famous person is? Anyone? Jethro, thank you, Jill. That's right, Jethro. He lived in the land of Midian. Jethro was a priest in this land. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 2 and follow along there. This morning, I'm going to share a lot of things about Jethro. And the first thing is that Jethro was part of the Dodo Club. Does anyone know what the Dodo Club is? I just found, us, found this out like two weeks ago. A little clue, he has seven daughters. Daddies of daughters only. So any, any Dodo Club people out here? Yeah. Now, of course, there's a backstory leading up to where Jethro comes on the scene. And it's an incredible story. It's one of my favorites, the story of Moses. Everybody remembers Moses. Moses was definitely one of those lead actors, front and center. And we remember how little baby Moses was put in the Nile River by his God-fearing parents. You see, the ruler of that time, Pharaoh, he felt that the Hebrews were overpopulating the area and that they might rise up and take over. There were too many Israelites, he thought. So Pharaoh decided to do a very evil thing. He made a law saying that all of the little baby Hebrew boys had to be thrown into the Nile River to die. Well, Moses' parents were brave, and they were filled with love. And they said, you know what? We fear God more than any ruler. We're not going to throw our little baby into the river, even if it might cost us our own lives. And so, as you remember, they put baby Moses into a little basket, floated him down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter was out there bathing, and when she heard Moses crying, she had compassion on him, and she took him and she raised Moses to be her own son. So Moses grew up in Egypt. He became basically an Egyptian. And as an adult, he did something wrong, and Pharaoh got extremely upset with him, and Moses had to run for his life. So Moses flees out into the desert. And while he's in the desert, wandering around, God leads him to the land of Midian. And Moses is exhausted and hot, and he sits down by this well to rest and to get some water. And here's where we pick up the story in Exodus 2. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came up, came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Raoul, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. 
And where is he? He asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Now this man named Raul is actually our focus today. It's Jethro. And I find it kind of weird because we've all known people like maybe with the name William and they go by the name Will or Suzanne and she goes by Sue or Susie. But Jethro is like, hey, I'm Jethro and people call me Raul. It's like, oh, it just doesn't quite sound right, but okay. So Jethro is impressed with Moses. He rescued his daughters from the shepherds which is no small task to do for one man. Jethro welcomes Moses into his home, and Moses lives there for many years, taking care of Jethro's sheep and eventually marrying one of Jethro's seven daughters, Zipporah. And Zipporah and Moses have a couple of boys. Now, it's during this time that Moses is out tending the sheep when God speaks to him from the burning bush. And God tells Moses, my dear people, the Israelites, are back in Egypt in slavery and oppression. I want you to go back, Moses, and free them from the hand of Pharaoh. And it's also during this time that Moses asks, well, what's your name? What should, who should I tell is sending me? And Moses tells, uh, God tells Moses that his name is I Am, or in Hebrew, Yahweh. And that name is just a beautiful name. It's what Tony led us in worship today, Yahweh. And it means, I am the living God who is ready to be God in your life. It's such an awesome, active name. And in the Old Testament, when we read the word, the Lord, in all capital letters, you can basically interchange that with the name Yahweh. So, I'll do that sometimes when I'm reading. I'll just interchange the Lord for Yahweh. And it's meaningful because God is living. He's active. And he wants to be God in our lives today. So Moses asks his father-in-law, Jethro, if he can take Zipporah and his two sons back to Egypt. And Jethro gives them permission. Now this is where the story really starts picking up speed. Because Moses goes back to Pharaoh. And what does Moses say to Pharaoh? Anyone remember? Let my people go. That's right. And what does Pharaoh say? No. I'm not going to let my slave labor go. No way. I'm not going to let him go. So this is when God brings all of the terrible plagues over Egypt. And eventually Pharaoh relents and he's like, get out of here. Just go. And 600,000 Israelites leave Egypt. As the Israelites are leaving the Egyptians are like, here, take our gold, take our silver, take, take this dog, take, take our riches, take whatever. And the Israelites plunder Egypt. It's amazing. And they use some of that gold, as we learned. Bezalel used some of that gold and riches to help build the tabernacle in the wilderness. So God allows them to plunder the Egyptians. But after they escape, Pharaoh has second thoughts. And he's like, we got to go back and get our, all of our slave labor. And so he sends out his army with their chariots and they are coming to bring the Israelites back or to kill them. And all of the people now are in a tough spot because they're up against the Red Sea on one side, big, huge, like a huge lake. And then on the other side, Pharaoh's armies are coming down on them. They are in a pickle, man. They don't know what to do. But what does God do? 
he miraculously spreads open the Red Sea and the Israelites walk through on dry land. After they get through, Pharaoh's armies come in and all of the water crashes down on them, killing the whole army. It's like, boom! Greatest upset ever. Awesome. I just love that story. So after that, Moses and the Israelites are wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And it's not easy. Has anybody ever been in a desert? Does anyone know what a desert is? Deserts are hot. They are terrible. Barely anything grows. There's barely any water, barely any food. But God provided for the Israelites the whole 40 years. He provided water for them out of a rock. And he provided bread every day, manna from heaven. And it's just a beautiful picture of how God will provide for us every day. So we pick up the story. You can turn to Exodus 18. Now Jethro, priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. So apparently Moses sends his wife and two boys back to get Grandpa Jethro and all four of them return back to Moses. And Moses spends some time telling Jethro of all of the amazing things of the Exodus, how God brought Israel out. And then in the desert and no food and God provides food and water. And we pick it up in verse 9. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that Yahweh had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to Yahweh who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. So here is where we get a little more insight into the life of Jethro and what he's all about. <clears throat> Moses tells Jethro of all of the mighty deeds that God performed. And how does Jethro res respond? He says, Praise be to Yahweh, who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh. He proceeds to bring a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. The thing that I hope that we notice here is that Jethro gives all the credit to God. He points to God for this miraculous deliverance. And then he takes it a step further, bringing a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And I think this is a word for us today. It's real easy to walk through life and not notice all of the great things that God has done and is doing in our lives. Every day we miss it and we can totally take God for granted. I don't know if it's just human nature or what, but it's not good. We can look at our accomplishments and we can think, look at all that I've accomplished. Wow, am I ever gifted? Am I ever great? Completely ignoring the working of God's hand in your life. He is the provider. He provides everything for us. And Jethro didn't do that. Jethro acknowledges who the provider is. 
He gives thanks to God. But not only that, he puts a little skin in the game and he brings an offering, a burnt offering to God. Not just lip service, but action. And it demonstrates his thankfulness to God. Our actions and behaviors demonstrate our faith in God more than just words. Obedience to God's word is more important than just lip service. And Jesus said in John 13, 17, after serving his disciples and washing their feet, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus is about to go to the cross for his disciples and for all of us. He's got a lot on his mind, I'm sure, but he still takes the time to teach his disciples a valuable lesson. Obey what I've taught you and you will be blessed. Follow my way and you will have an abundant life. Does this mean that if we obey Jesus, we're going to be rich or have an easy life? Not at all. The kind of blessings Jesus is talking about are a life of purpose and meaning, a life with peace and hope in our hearts, a life of interacting with God and others in meaningful relationships, a life with eternal rewards. There is great blessing in obeying God's word. Obey God's word and you will be blessed. And so we see that Jethro is really a man of faith. He gives God credit for the great things he has done. Now, as a side note, we need to remember that Jethro <clears throat> is from Midian. He's not an Israelite. He's a Midianite. And the Midianites, we read in the Bible, they were entrenched in worshiping foreign gods. They were like arch enemies of, of the Israelites. But not at this part of the story. That happened years later. And you may wonder, well, how did this huge drift away from God occur? It's a good question. A very interesting thing that I found out was that the, Abra uh, the Midianites are actually descended from Abraham. Um, you can read about it in Exodus 25. So after Abraham's wife, Sarah, died, Abraham had other children. And one of his boys was, he named Midian. And so Abraham definitely would have passed on his faith to all of his children. And so Midian passed it on to his children and on down all the way to Jethro. But some, somewhere along the line, a significant compromise in their faith occurred. The Midianites, they began to mix their faith in God, in Yahweh, with foreign gods. And I don't know for sure, but I believe that this mixture had already begun in the Midianite culture and in Jethro's life when we're looking at his situation right here. And I say this because after Jethro hears from Moses about the great deliverance that God provided to Israel, Jethro says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. Now, perhaps Jethro is simply saying, Moses, after hearing it from your mouth, there is no doubt in my mind that Yahweh is greater than all the other gods. 
But the thing we need to remember is Jethro is a priest of Midian. He's a religious professional, if you will. And of all people, Jethro should know that Yahweh is superior to all other gods. But somehow it seems like Moses explaining it to him and describing it finally solidifies it in his mind. And there's something wrong there, I think. I believe that some mixture, some diluting of the faith had, had begun. And I think that this is a word for us today as a church. We need to be very, very careful that we don't allow ourselves to compromise our faith in God's word and mix it with our own reason or other people's persuasive arguments or even the culture. God's word is truth. God's word is our authority. And many churches are, are, are crumbling in this area. God's, worth is, God's word is our north star, and we need to hold on to that. No matter how great the pressure is, Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. You know, the things of this world will scratch and they're going to claw their way into our lives and compete for our devotion. The end is a divided heart with a mixture of the things of God and the things of the world. I pray that God would guard our hearts and our minds and that we would seek to have an undivided heart. Thankfully, God is merciful. God is able. He's working today. And uh, I believe he's working in our lives today. So we're going to pick up the story back in verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. So one of Moses' jobs <clears throat> that he had was to judge the people. Whenever people had arguments or disagreements, they would come to Moses, he would listen to them, and then he would make decisions based on God's word. But not only that, he spent all day doing this from sunup to sundown. And this was a lot of people. Jethro is very concerned about this. And it says in uh, verse 17, Moses' father-in-law replied, <clears throat> what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live. But select capable men from all the people and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simpler cases, they can decide themselves. That will make the load lighter because they will share it with you. 
Jethro tells him, you're going to wear yourself out, son. You're going to burn out. And so Jethro offers Moses some really good advice. First, he tells him to bring the people's disputes before God. Seek God's counsel. Don't try to figure things out on your own. Teach the people God's decrees and laws. Kind of like what we just talked about, God's word. God's word is what we should be seeking for wisdom and counsel. And such great advice. When we have questions in life, why not go to the one who's the smartest, the one who knows all things, the maker of heaven and earth? People throughout time have tried to do things their own way, in their own wisdom. And in the end, it does not work out well for them. Now, what Jethro does next is probably what he's most well known for. Jethro has been called the first management consultant of all time. He tells Moses to delegate the responsibility of hearing all the people's concerns to God-fearing men. Split up the workload. Some people will oversee thousands of people, others hundreds of people, and so on, depending on their ability and talent. He says, Moses, let these guys hear all the disputes and the real difficult ones they can bring to you. This way the load will be lighter because you can share it with others. And everyone will win. You'll be able to stand the strain. Moses didn't see it. He didn't realize it, but he was headed for a breakdown. And this advice from Jethro probably saved Moses' mental health and his physical health. So Jethro did a couple of really, really important things here that we want to take a look at. The first thing is that Jethro saw the situation Moses was in and he was concerned. Jethro cared about Moses. He was his son-in-law. He wanted the best for him. So Jethro saw the need in Moses' life. And why was he able to see the need? Because partly he wasn't consumed about himself his own life. He wasn't consumed with his own pleasures and plans. He was thinking of others, namely his son-in-law. And you guys, the thing is, there are people all around us every day who are hurting, who are lonely, they're mistreated, they're hopeless. And oftentimes we don't even see them. We just pass on by because we're too focused on ourselves. We think, what's, what's in it for me? The world revolves around me. What are people thinking about me when I walk in the room? And we miss all these great opportunities to be a blessing to the people in our lives. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Don't just be thinking about yourself. Think about other people. And this is exactly what Jethro did. He perceived the strain that Moses was under, and his heart was burdened for him. And then he did something about it. He spoke up, and he helped Moses with some practical, wise advice. This is not always easy to do. Maybe we feel like we're meddling in their business and sometimes it's messy to take a chance and to speak up about something. 
Sometimes it takes bravery to speak and to do the right thing. Now, I wonder if Jethro thought to himself, well, Moses, he's a pretty capable guy, brought the Israelites out of Egypt after all. I'm sure he'll be fine. I, I'm not going to say anything to him. But what did Jethro do? He was brave and he spoke up because he cared and he knew it was the right thing to do. Have you ever seen something that was wrong or someone who needed help and you didn't do anything about it? I know I have. And after a while, I, didn't, I felt really bad, actually. Jethro wasn't self-centered. He was, he was aware of the other people around him and the needs that they had. And he was brave enough to do the right thing, kind of like Moses' parents. They were brave enough to do the right thing and not throw Moses into the river. So we've all heard of the, the letters or the term WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, right now I need three volunteers to come up here because we're going to play a little game called What Would Jethro Do? Come on up. Come on up. So we got one, two, three. All right. You guys can stand right here. What are your names? Abby. Abby. Lauren. Lauren. Brandon. Brandon. All right. This is your buzzer, okay? And stand right here. Thank you guys for coming up. All right. <clears throat> We're going to ask a series of questions, and the answer will either be A or B. Each question will get progressively harder with progressive point values, and the winner will get some sort of prize. We were thinking maybe three days and three nights at Kalahari, but I think we're just going to do candy today. <laughs> All right. Question number one. You can't hit the buzzer till I'm done reading the question. You and some friends are on the playground when you notice a kid who is all alone and looks kind of sad. What would Jethro do? Do you A, ignore the kid because you might look like a weirdo if you go up and talk to him, or B, say hi to the kid and invite the kid to play with you and your friends? What would Jethro do? Go ahead. Yes! Is that what you were going to say too? Yeah, good job. All right, question number two. You're trying to make some extra money working for your neighbor doing yard work. As you walk by his car, your rake accidentally scrapes against the door, leaving a little scratch. No one's around, and it's just a little scratch. What would Jethro do? Do <laughs> All right, hang on. Do you get out your mom's nail polish and try to cover up your mistake? Or B, go to your neighbor and apologize for the accident. Go ahead. Apologize. Good job. <clears throat> All right. You guys are good. You're doing great. All right, this is the last question. Point values are doubled. <laughs> you see a good friend of yours doing something you know their parents wouldn't be happy about. What would Jethro do? Do you A, go tell their parents, or B, tell your friend they should stop doing it, and if they don't stop, then go tell their parents? Yeah, and then go tell their parents if they don't. Good job, you guys. Go ahead, grab some candy. You can take some pieces of candy. 
You can leave the buzzer here too. Let's give him a hand. Thanks, you guys. You can go sit down. That was fun. Sometimes it's really hard to speak up. Some of those questions were tough, definitely tough. Um, you know, and some people say in today's day, the, the best thing you can do, what God wants us to do is just love people. Just love them, let them live how they want to live. And, but I have to say, if someone is heading for disaster, the loving thing to do is to speak up and to speak truth into their lives. But when we do this, we need to do it lovingly and prayerfully. Always take some time to seek God for direction, whether you should even speak up or not. And sometimes because of the challenging nature of things, it's uncomfortable to talk to people. You can just rush into it just to kind of get it over with. And that's a big mistake because people can get hurt. And we don't want to do that. So seek God, seek his timing, and just know that God's timing is always best. He will provide the perfect timing for you. You know, the world is hurting. The world is so broken. The philosophies and beliefs of the world are reaping a harvest of pain, confusion, and hopelessness. The wisdom of the world is resulting in more depression and anxiety and prescription drug use to treat these problems than ever before in history. It seems that the load is too heavy to bear, kind of like Moses having to speak to the people day in, sun up to sundown. But God has a word for us today. He always has a word for us. And he put a few words on my heart that I would just like to share. I'm going to call them Jethro words that I really would love to share with you, just some truths for you to hear today. So let's start at the beginning. Our enemy, the devil, he wants to destroy people. There's no doubt about it. He wants them to feel worthless. You see it all around. And what better way for him to do that than to convince people that they're just a random accident? They're just like all the other animals in the animal kingdom. He wants us to believe that there's no God and that we've evolved from animals. But that's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Look around you today. Just take some time and look at the plants, look at the animals, look at the planets, the solar system, the beautiful people in your lives. All of it, all of it has amazing, intricate design and order created by an amazing designer. And if God created it all, then he created you too with a purpose. God has a great purpose for your life. And remember, no one can play your special part but you. You need to know that you are loved, you're special, you're created by God for a purpose. My Jethro word number two is that our enemy, we have a real enemy, the devil, he wants to create an environment of confusion, chaos, and if possible, madness in our lives. Just look at the world we live in. But God's word speaks clarity to the confusion, order to the chaos and sanity to the madness in our lives. Jesus says in Matthew 19, and he quotes from Genesis, 
Haven't you read that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. A few weeks ago, Pastor Josh did a sermon on the topic of God's plan for the family. And God's word is clear. He loves us. And any deviation from his design is a deviation from the good plan that God has for our lives. And finally, the enemy of our souls, the devil, wants to make us think that we have no value. Our lives don't matter, and the lives of other people don't matter either. Again, the lying devil whispers, you're just an accident, you're a mistake. But God's word says different. Psalm 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. And you might say, well, what about my crooked teeth? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. What about my nose or what about my body? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't feel intelligent or I I feel like a loser. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every person has infinite value, from the elderly to the baby in the womb to everyone in between. You are a treasure. I'm so glad that God is patient with me. Throughout my life, there have been times that I should have spoken up or done something, and I didn't. Opportunities where I could have made a difference, and I didn't. Thankfully, God's mercy is new every morning, and he's patient with us. So let's learn a lesson from Jethro today. Number one, give credit to God for all that he's done. Number two, be obedient to God's word. Keep your eyes open, be loving and compassionate toward those around you. Pray for direction from God. Speak and act for the good of others. It doesn't matter if you're a lead actor or one of the supporting characters, supporting cast. You can be used by God today and join him in the beautiful work that he's doing. You can be like Jethro and make a huge difference, even an eternal difference in someone's life today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your truth, for your word that is a a light to our feet, a guide for our path. God, you direct our lives, and your way is good. Lord, help us to seek you always. Thank you for your mercy in our lives, and thank you that you are Yahweh. You are living, you are active, you are ready to be God in each of our lives.